Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership, We're here today with Colette Chandler of The Marketing Insider. Colette is the leading expert in helping companies better understand environmental and health trends and the consumers driving them. She helps companies create authentic green value and build greener brands through education, consulting, and training. Colette writes a weekly blog and for trade journals, and she's been featured in a number of local and national publications, including the Boston Globe, Enterprise Women's Magazine, and ForHoteliers.com. Her company conducted groundbreaking research that's helped companies uh, better understand the attitudes, behaviors, and purchasing decisions of consumers as it relates to the environment, natural health, and wellness. So welcome, Colette. We're glad that you're here today. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Okay, so you talk about creating authentic green value. Tell me what that means and why is it so important? Well, creating um, authentic green value has a lot to do with creating greater transparency. Um, and as you create greater transparency, you become more authentic. Um, so you become more transparent as a company, and as a brand, it leads to a greater perception of authenticity. And being transparent means you're clearly showing who you are as a company and as a brand and where you're going, meaning where is your company heading in the future, what are your plans. Of course, um, a part of creating greater transparency lies in being comfortable with showing your flaws, showing where your challenges are and being sustainable, conscious business, conscious enough to acknowledge environmental health challenges as a company and be willing to do your part to help solve the situation. Uh, And it's obviously an ongoing challenge for um, companies, organizations, corporations, uh, because of the fact that it, it, it really requires you to be more transparent. Got it. Okay, so... So it's, it's, we need to be transparent. We need to kind of let some of the flaws show through, right? Absolutely. And being authentic, we really think of authenticity as being real, being raw, is, is, and, and it really goes hand in hand with that transparency so that I am the type of brand that you see. I am exactly, and even if I have products um, that maybe do not fit this whole sustainability landscape, um, I'm okay with showing you that I'm not perfect that I'm trying to go towards being more sustainable to being a healthier company, and it is a process for me. Okay, and so it's okay to say we're not all the way there yet. Absolutely, because okay. it's all about progress, not about perfection. Got it, got it. So who are the people who are driving these clean, green and, and health trends, and, and why should we recognize them when we do our marketing? Well, it's really interesting because – the people that are driving the trends are not a demographic. It's not a male, male, even though there are some common traits that they share. Um, it's actually a psychographic. So if I'm 25 years old as a woman and uh, and I'm also, there's another 65-year-old woman, they may have similar attitudes and behaviors, but they're not of the same age and they're not even of the same generation but they may fall into this category that we call LOHAS, which stands for Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability. We say that they're predominantly female, highly educated about average income, 
very influential over the buying decisions of family and friends. They read a lot. They're radio listeners. And they're the least price sensitive. And what's different about Lojas is that they're very value-driven consumers. And they're trend predictors. Uh, They are driven by values that relate to their personal health, planetary health and well-being, as well as social societal values. Um, And they're the highest buyers of green, healthy, and socially conscious products. As I mentioned, they're the least price sensitive. So they're a great target for corporations. In the same respect, they're the leaders in the categories. We said they're driving the trends, and they're the ones that are pushing the supply chains to go green. So, so many times when I go out and speak or consult, you know, even business-to-business companies will say, why do I care about this consumer? Well, where is your product going? Is it that faucet? Is that faucet being put to use by an end user that's a consumer? Every element of that faucet has to be totally sustainable or green, environmentally friendly for that end user to accept it if they're in this low-hoss category. So they're pushing these entire supply chains to go green, and they really will recognize and support the companies that practice good corporate social responsibility, and in the same respect, they'll boycott those who do not adhere to those standards. So it, it must be hard to reach these people, though, if, if they have this kind of lifestyle um, psychographics in common, but they're not necessarily, as you said, of the same age or even right. the same generation. So. How do we reach these people when they're, they're all the way across the spectrum? Well, and that is the challenge. I mean, now we finally have a list that exists. There is actually a list that you can purchase. It's expensive, but there is a good list um, uh, that exists of, of these consumers. And what you have to do is basically um, look at certain criteria. You have to you know, hire an expert or somebody who understands how to identify these consumers so many times, if a company is going to be targeting this this customer, I may say, let's you know, let's take a look at your existing customer database, and let's start segregating them, and let's start identifying them, and putting them into psychographics and categories, and looking to see which ones are in fact low-cost consumers. Because if you look at certain criteria, it's easier to identify. We can you know, develop a questionnaire, and based on that questionnaire and the questions we put in there, we'll know if they're attracting low-cost consumers. And how big is this market of low-cost consumers? Well, that's what's interesting is low-cost consumers, it's about 17% of the U.S. population. Now, if you had read an article um, by Newsweek magazine, Newsweek magazine published an article, and one of our strategic partners, NMI, actually conducted all the research on, on LOHAS, and they had indicated that the LOHAS category had actually decreased, when in fact it has increased, but it was a new consumer segmentation model, so they didn't understand the research that they were reading. So it's now divided out, and there's other subcategories, such as naturalites, which is another 17% of the U.S. population, who are more driven by the health aspects um, and, and adhering to a healthy lifestyle, that they're still high purchasers of eco-consumables. And they want to be loyal to those brands, but they're not as strong in the green category as, say, um, low-cost consumers. 
And when you're so talking about 17%, that's almost one in six, or a little less mm-hmm. than one in six. That's right. And so if we add the low house and then we add the naturalization, we're talking about one in three consumers. Absolutely. So that's a and pretty this, big market. Yeah, it is a big market, and this market continues to grow. I mean, it was a $209 billion marketplace and in the U.S., and this year it's predicted to go to $425 billion by 2015 to $845 billion. Now, if you're looking at a global marketplace, you're looking over at over $585 billion. Um, so we're seeing influences, uh, you know, in Japan, Taiwan, China, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, England, France, Canada. I mean, this is not a trend that was just made up in the U.S. It actually started overseas. And we're seeing people just starting to integrate their own principles into their culture, and everyone become a little bit more value-driven um, as they start to lead this. And the other interesting thing, um, Linda, is the fact that a lot of people feel that, oh, it's, it's a recession and uh, this consumer isn't going to continue to buy, when in fact if you look at the green brands, um, Ion's Natural Foods and Nature's Path Foods, they're still doing well in a down economy. Mm-hmm. And Nature's Path actually just had a 33% increase in Toronto. Wow. Just recently, yeah. And these are premium-priced brands. And when we look at some of these, we say, okay, well, they are value-driven. Your values don't change because the economy has gone down. Then you may choose to spend differently, meaning you may not choose to spend in all the categories. You may just focus on certain ones that are more important to you. So certain categories may drop out of that mix. But they're still going to be driven by their values. And that's important because we talk about this, Colette, in a lot of different areas that when you really focus on value versus price, you are much more, um, you're much more secure in, in a down economy because people do buy on value. And they Absolutely. do participate and they may, they may decide not to buy something else because they value your product. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the questions I want to ask you is this green and health connection sometimes seems to be ignored, and it's kind of the missing link. Why do you think it gets ignored so much? Well, people have a tendency to group all green consumers together and then all health-oriented consumers in separate groups that don't commingle. And I see this so often, and I see this more in underdeveloped marketplaces where sustainability is very new. But there's a number of markets that I'll go into, and I'll notice that, okay, we've got our health-oriented business group, and then we've got our sustainability group and neither group talks to each other. And I'm just amazed because the people driving the trend understand that there's this interconnection. Uh, So I think what happens often is that the green groups think of carbon, energy, and recycling, oftentimes, especially new markets. That's at the top of every corporate agenda. And then the health-oriented groups just think about food and nutrition. They don't really look at the health implications of some of the products when in fact these two groups should be very much commingling and understanding the the bigger issues and starting to work more hand-in-hand because this is the way the population thinks. Right. And it is the only way that we're going to understand them and start putting larger solutions to these problems if we start, you know, as groups, start meeting together and start putting these as bigger discussions. And that's one of my biggest passions is to – really get these groups talking more and to get these groups more commingling so that there is this better understanding of what kind of solutions do we really need to bring out there to the marketplace so that we better understand these customers. 
Got it. That makes sense. So tell me something. Why do green initiatives fail? I mean, because everybody wants to go green. It sounds like a great thing, but yet not all of these green initiatives are, are successful. So why do they fail? And as an organization, what can you do in your green initiatives to make sure they don't fail? Well, there's a couple of different things that happen um, when, when they, they fail. It's, first of all, the motive does not match the green marketplace. So if the motive is strictly profit, then the customer will know. There needs to be a triple bottom line. When we look at the economic and environmental um, as well as societal impact of every decision we make, and we're starting to see more corporations understand this, and we're starting to see even more companies, smaller companies, understanding this too. But it sounds bizarre, and we'll say, okay, well, I'm a company. I need to make a profit. You're right, but if you look at the landscape and you look at most sustainable companies and brands, you'll notice that most of them are profitable, especially when you're looking at investing today and socially responsible investing. You'll see, wow, look at the opportunities that exist that once did not exist because these companies are getting more and more profitable. So you really need to look at your motive and make sure the motive isn't just profit, meaning I'm a me too company, as I always call it, meaning my competitors are going into sustainability marketplace, and I want to go in there too because I just want market share. And if that's all you want is market share, you're not there to provide real solutions. You really cannot back up the fact that you're a sustainable brand. You have no business going to that marketplace because they will see right through it and you'll be accused of greenwashing, which is pretending to be environmentally sound when you're not. And then that destroys credibility and you've got a lot of other slew of other issues. So that mode of not matching the marketplace is one big one. And then the mission and values are not lined with the green consumer. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you think back to the low-cost consumer, which is the most likely candidate, even though it's not the only green um, and health-oriented group. Um, you know, they're, they're less price-sensitive. They're very value-driven. You need to understand that your mission and values need to be front and center. You need to talk about the values of your company, how that's integrated through every single thing you're doing down to how you're treating your employees and what types of programs you have in place. It's great to launch this sustainable, green, health-oriented brand, but what about when you go and educate the employees about why you're doing it? What happens if they come back and say, well, what are we doing internally? And you get pushed back and you say, oh, no, it's just about the brand. Well, then maybe you're not that fully integrated brand that you're portraying. So what are your missions and values, and how do you incorporate that through everything you're doing down to your responsibility to educating your suppliers on why this is so important um, to be sustainable? Okay. And then the other thing is um, ignoring the triple bottom line or not even realizing that there's a triple bottom line. Um, and, you know, we talked about the fact that that's an economic, environmental, and social performance that we look at. So if, if you're totally ignoring that triple bottom line, your green initiative more than likely will not be successful. That definitely has to be incorporated into everything you do. And then the last one is a lack of understanding of who's really driving these green and health trends and how they're going to impact your business. Um, as I mentioned, even if it's business to business or business to consumer, uh, knowing what direction things are you know, heading and helping to put plans forward and how you're going to be part of that solution, how your company is coming up with the solutions, and why are you doing this. There are so many different aspects to sustainability, and people need to understand that you're doing it for the right reasons. So 
all of these things are, are the biggest things that come to mind when I say these green initiatives are not working. So if companies are, again, doing it right, which is I always say be comfortable with who you are, where you're going, and where you need to go. It sounds so simple, but if you do all of those three things, more than likely you won't greenwash because if you're comfortable with who you are as a brand today, you don't pretend to be more green or sustainable than you are. You don't pretend to be something you're not. You're very transparent and you're comfortable with the fact that you have flaws and you're okay with people seeing it, which is very tough for corporations. And then if you're comfortable with where you're going you're talking about where you're going today. Where is your company heading? What kinds of plans do they have in regards to sustainability? And what kind of plans do you have for that you've put forward for the future? And you're benchmarking these, and you're showing what kind of progress has been made. It's not about just some single lines about we've had a 20% reduction. Reduction from what? Right. In waste. You, you don't know where the starting point was. So, you know, it's going beyond the carbon footprint. It's going beyond what we're saying to say, let's show some real impact here. Let's create some programs. And when your message does not, when your message stays consistent with where you're heading and what your plans are, you're a lot more successful. When the message gets ahead, which is what happens often, that's where you start having problems. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So the message here is it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to be on the path. Uh, don't get too far ahead of yourself. And make sure that you consider that big triple uh, bottom line. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's uh, making sure that you really understand the marketplace and making sure you really understand the commitment that is required when you go into sustainability marketplace. We do um, green marketing assessments all the time where a company can assess where they are and we'll benchmark where they are and where they need to go and we'll rate them on a scale of one to five. And so it really allows them to see, okay, what are we really doing and where are we challenged and where could we potentially go? Some companies love to be able to see that benchmarking um, specifically on that. So that's one way that, you know, a company can get started. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking with Colette Chandler today, and Colette, again, is an expert in this uh, entire green uh, marketplace, particularly around creating authentic green value. Her company is Marketing Insider, and thank you, Colette, for being here with us. Not a problem. Do you mind if I give people my website? Absolutely. And... Go okay. for it. Um, so my website is www.marketing-insider.com, and I have a blog that's um, – www.keyboard-culture-green-marketing.com. It's a long one, but if you search on Google with my name, um, it definitely comes up. The other thing I wanted to mention to people, too, is feel free to go onto my website. You can get a free white paper on creating authentic green value to drive bottom line results. Uh, it's free. You can sign up for the uh, newsletter there. And then the other thing is we have a way for you to learn more, which is a, it's called Creating Authentic Green Value Webinar Series. And it's a series of five different webinars that are pre-recorded that you can download with the transcripts. And it really gives you a great platform to move forward to get that basic understanding of how do I target each market, how do I understand the, the consumer base, how do I understand businesses, and gives you a great level playing field. So those two resources are available on our website. Perfect. Thank you so much. 
This is no Linda problem. Popke. Until next time, thank you for joining us listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.